While the Israelites were working to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. We have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we've had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live, and we're helpless to do anything about it. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, what you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? Stop charging interest. Restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged. They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. And the people did as they had promised. For the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the visitors from other lands. Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Remember, O oh my God, all that I have done for these people, and bless me for it. Hey, uh, a warm welcome to you today, wherever you're joining us from, and a particular welcome to today's message, part four of Living on Purpose. And I, I want to start today by asking you a question. I wonder what it is that makes you angry. And when I say that word angry, I'm thinking about the full range from small things to relatively large things. You know, there, there are small things that kind of irritate me a bit, you know, like, like the way other people use my dishwasher. You know, for me, the whole purpose of having a dishwasher is so that you don't have to do the manual washing up. And yet other people don't seem to be able to use the space to its maximum benefit. And they even put spoons the wrong way up. I mean, what's that all about? But also the big one for me at the moment is those nasty little orange things called wasps that seem particularly in towards the end of August to spend their time gaily looking around for anyone they can find to annoy, particularly if you're eating outside. But these are small things, aren't they? They are the lower levels of anger and that, that often you realise they're things I probably need to just, just get over and move past. But there are also some big things that make us angry. You know, when we looked at the reading you, you heard a moment ago, we see Nehemiah getting angry. And this time it's, it's not a small thing. This is, this is a big one. It's a significant one. And although in some, sometimes anger is a thing that we need help with, sometimes that response from within is God trying to get our attention and say there's something here that's really significant to him and therefore it ought to be significant to us. So, so what was it that made Nehemiah angry? Well, you, you'd heard the complaints a moment ago. In a nutshell, these were people that he, he would have known to a degree that they, they lived nearby. And you listen to the, the challenges that they were facing. In a largely agrarian society, they were facing famine, high levels of poverty, potential starvation, struggling to get enough food for feeding their families. Some of them were facing high taxes, sounds familiar. 
and others actually experiencing high debt and potentially even slavery, injustice, and underneath all of it, a sense of powerlessness, like there was nothing they could do about it. Does it sound familiar? It sounds like today to me. It could be about 21st century Britain, 2020, where it feels to me like the walls are down. I wonder if you, you sense that as you look out across our nation and to other nations. It feels like some of the walls of society have been broken down and there are big issues around us like poverty, like injustice. And although they've kind of always been there, it feels like there's an acceleration and increase in this season. And I'm sure some of you watching today, you will identify as some of those people who are experiencing that at the sharp end of poverty and injustice. And I think it would be easy for any of us, understandable maybe, to say, is there anything we can do about it? We just feel powerless. We feel that the, the, the issues are too big. And actually, we've got enough problems of our own without being concerned for others. Well, I've got good news for us all today. As we look at this passage in Nehemiah chapter 5, that we actually, with God's help, we don't need to be overwhelmed or indifferent to the challenges of other people around us. As we look at this chapter today, we're going to see two things that Nehemiah did that I believe all of us, with God's help, we too can do. They're, they're both achievable. But also, I believe, as we read this passage, we see the wonder, the wonder and I, I want you to catch the wonder today, that God has always sought to create a people who are like him, who are compassionate for the needs of others, not just in our sphere, but beyond our sphere, and who let that, that compassion of God so fill them that it actually moves them to action. And the good news is today that, that I believe this passage teaches us and history has shown us is that when every one of us plays our part, however small that may seem to be, we really can make a difference in these huge areas. So let's look at those two things. The, the first one we see in Nehemiah is we need how to learn to listen with the heart. Now, I wonder how good you are at listening. You know, I, I used to think I was really good at listening. I kind of um, looked to the maths. I've got two ears and one mouth. I thought the averages will probably play out until kind of the, the early years of my marriage when my, my wife, Zia, gently said to me, uh, when we've been having a, one of our end-of-the-day discussions. She said, do you, do you know that you tend to listen, Simon, more to solve than just to connect? And I, I actually didn't know that there were different ways to listen. I, I, I'd always assumed the whole purpose of listening was to hear just enough from the speaker so that I could then give a three-point plan that they could then go and implement and it would solve all their problems. And actually, there's, there's quite a bit of debate out there about what, what constitutes different levels of listening. One of my favourites says that there are five le levels of listening. You might, you might want to think where you'd put yourself generally on this scale. Level one, the least effective, is ignoring. Don't suppose you've ever done that. Level two is pretending to listen. Level three, selective. Level four, attentive. Maybe some of you at that level. But actually, the top level is what they call empathetic listening. And empathetic means the, the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, to understand at a level beyond the mind, actually, it's more into the heart that grasps that even though I may not be experiencing this, it, it, it impacts me. And this is what we see from Nehemiah. We read in, in chapter five, he says, when I heard their outcry in these charges, he says, I was very angry. 
Now, empathetic listening doesn't necessarily mean you're angry. It could be deep compassion or concern. But the key is it will lead to a powerful emotional response. You know, and what's I think even more remarkable is when you understand the context for Nehemiah at this time. This is a busy man. He's busy leading a huge campaign to build the walls. It's going well, but there's a lot going on. He's got a lot of problems, as we saw last week from Tom's message. And it would have been understandable to hear him go, oh, now this is, this is a problem too far. They'll just have to sort it out themselves. But he doesn't. He actually says, no, this, this is one for me to go and deal with. Now, I wonder when the last time was that you heard somebody else say something outside of your normal sphere and it impacted you to that degree where there was a, a heart response. Um, now, I don't think we can live like that all of the time. Otherwise, we'd probably never move to action. But there ought to be times in our lives and we experience that. The, it's really, it's God moving in our heart to cause us to pay attention to something. You know, for me, I, I think back many years ago now to the first time that I visited the Belembu Orphanage in Swaziland, uh, now called Eswatini, uh, on behalf of, of Kingsgate. And the first time that I held one of those orphaned babies. Um, and first of all, it was just a deep sense of compassion. I can still feel it now. I sometimes return to that. A feeling of compassion for this little child, abandoned by parents shortly after birth, and only alive because of the work of this amazing orphanage. But also, you know, there was a sense of, of anger about what poverty does to people and disease. I imagine the parents, maybe one of them had got HIV AIDS, which had ravaged that nation at the time, and they faced that terrible decision of, of what do they do with their child. And at the time, I thought, God, help us make a difference here. Help us learn how to partner with Belembu and make a difference. And that, that is happening. But then more recently, uh, I think of when I sat down with some of my, my friends, brothers and sisters from this church, Kingsgate, uh, people I, I know well, and they, they shared with me confidentially their personal experiences of racism in the UK, a country that I love. I was deeply moved by what I heard. Uh, some of them described how they'd come to the UK from other countries expecting to find a welcome and opportunities. And to some degree, they, they found that. But they also found also terrible, ongoing experiences of racism, often on a daily basis. And when I heard them, it was, it was similar to being Belembo. I felt compassion for my brothers and sisters. I felt anger that this is taking place under our noses here in the UK. But also, again, that sense, God, Help us know how we can play our part in this. I wonder when was the last time that you, you had that kind of reaction to, to a situation. If, if anything like me, you may have found during this season, particularly since lockdown, there have been times when you've experienced what people call compassion fatigue. It's like there's just so, so many challenges all around us. It's like the heart gets wearied with it. You know, you, you're watching the news. I've had this. You're watching the news and there's terrible things being said, but it's like it's just kind of washing over. Well, I, I want to say there's some things we can do practically about that. Maybe it's for some of us, it's, it's actually limiting how much we listen to the news, that if it is washing over us, we, ju we just stop. Or turning what we hear to prayer. So making it a regular thing that when you watch or listen, hear from other people, it becomes a source of prayer for those people. But even better, 
I think the key is that we learn to open our hearts to God and say, God, give me your heart. Uh, Acknowledging our own hardness of heart, saying we need help to feel how you feel and to be able to respond to people how you're responding. I, I know for some of you, Actually, your response would have been you, you identify with those who, who made the outcry. And I want to say to, to you today, please find someone who's a good listener, who you can share with them your, your personal experiences. But also, I want to say, go to God. You know, Nehemiah was a great listener. God is a great listener. And he listens with more than just his ears, if you will. He listens with his heart. He's for you. He's with you. He weeps with you. And he wants to stand alongside you and give you fresh strength. But you know, I think we all know that 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 first point, listening with our heart, is a good start, but it's only a start. And that actually if we're to really make a difference, we have to move from that phase of being moved in our hearts actually towards action. So my my second point to us today is number two. If we're going to be people who make a difference, then we need to balance reflection with action. You know, there's a sense of, On the one hand, we need to be a people who think and pray. How are we going to respond to this sense we have on the inside and how are we going to act? You know, I'm I'm more, I think we all have a leaning. I'm more towards reflection. I love reflecting. I love love praying. I love thinking about things. I love reading and studying. And I, I need to learn to be more of a man of action. I wonder about you, maybe some of you, you're more on the kind of action side. And it's like, let's, let's increase the reflecting that you do so that when you come to action, it's thought through. But we need, the point is I'm trying to make is we actually need both reflection and action. And we, we see this in the, the span of, of Nehemiah's story. You know, when you go back to uh, chapters one and two, you see again, he's, he's viscerally touched by God about the, the condition of Jerusalem's walls. But you know, it's four months before he does anything. So the balance there is on reflection and then action. But now here, again, we see in verse six and seven, he hears and his first response is to reflect. It says, I heard their outcry in these charges. I was very angry. And then verse seven, he says, I pondered them in my mind. In other words, his first response was one of reflection. In fact, in, the, in another translation, it says, I consulted with myself. You know, I think the case is usually that our first thought, particularly if we feel angry or compassion, isn't always our best thought in terms of, of how to react or what to do next. And sometimes we need to take some time to reflect, to think through, uh, because we want to, to give it our best thought and make sure that what we do is going to make the bigger, biggest difference. And in some ways, I think looking at Nehemiah, you could, you could draw the principle that the, the smaller an issue is, and I understand that for the people involved, it's not a small issue, but the smaller an issue is, and the more it is in our hands to change it, the quicker we can move to action. But the bigger, the longer standing an issue is, and the less it is totally in our hands to act, the longer it may be before we can start acting because we want to make sure that what we do is going to make a difference. We want the best outcome uh, that we can possibly have. And that, that's why, you know, at Kingsgate, we've been taking time to reflect and pray about this, this whole issue of racism and, and then to, to act in a way that's really going to make a difference as we seek to, to play our part. Back to Nehemiah, what, what does he actually do as, as the scales tip from reflection to action? What does he do? Well, he does two things. 
it's like he's kind of going in almost like a boxer to do to do two things. He's, he's almost going to war on it. Because on the one hand, he moves very quickly and decisively to act to bring justice. You know, he calls a meeting of those who've been involved in taking advantage of the weak and vulnerable. And look what he says to them. He says, you must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged when you lent the money, grain, new wine and olive oil. In other words, he does what he can. He uses his position of influence to confront those guilty of taking advantage of the weak and vulnerable. And he actually brings an end to the practice of, of the immoral and illegal act of usury and slavery. He does what he can. But you know he does more than that. It's almost like his, his second action is very personal. You, you read through that chapter and you'll see he was determined to live a life of integrity with fear of God at the heart, but then lived out through his actions in every day. You, you know, we see that he refuses actually to his own cost to take advantage of his own position and uses his resources to, to feed and clothe and look after some of the poor, actively saying because he didn't want to be responsible for increasing the burden upon them. Do you know, he, he did what he could. You know, just what I love about Nehemiah, he refuses to let the extent of his problems paralyze him into inaction. I want to say the same to us today and to say, let's not be overwhelmed by the size of the problem or the scale of the issues. Because, you know, history is full of stories of how the church individually and collectively has risen up to make a difference in these big areas. Now, I think of people like Wilberforce, and his fight against slavery. Uh, Martin Luther King, civil rights in America. Uh, General Booth, whose work over 100 years ago is still bearing fruit in our nation and beyond in the fight against poverty. You know, we can make a difference when every single one of us plays our part. And this is the thing I really want to say to you. Don't let the lie take root in your heart that what you do doesn't matter. It does matter. Because behind all of those people, in fact behind Nehemiah as well, as an army of ordinary people who just get on and do what they can do. You, you might say, I'm not a Nehemiah, I'm not Martin Luther King. Neither am I. But every single one of us can play our part. And actually when we do, we can do great things together. Do you know, already we, we're making a difference. You are making a difference locally. Uh, in Peterborough, for example, where we run the food bank and where... Food need is, is a big issue. Last year in 2019, if you can remember 2019, we fed 9,500 people. This year, to date, it's well over 8,000 and almost guaranteed to be far more than 9,000 by the end of the year. We've, we've furnished 600 houses and created homes for 75 Syrian refugees who've relocated to the UK. And you've played a part in that. That's, that's the result, not of one great individual, but of many people playing their part together. But you're also, we're making a difference overseas. Uh, many of you will have seen the terrible devastation that took place in Beirut, Lebanon, a, a few weeks ago. And it would have been easy to go, oh, it's, it's too far away, it's not, not our issue. But we have a partner organisation there called Heart for Lebanon. And because of the generous giving of people in Kingsgate, we're able to send them, on top of our normal giving, a gift of £10,000, just into that, that work they're doing. Let me read to you their response. I hope this encourages you. They say, The good news is, 
Through partnerships like Kingsgate, the Heart for Lebanon staff is continue, continuing to minister to over 2,300 refugee families. These families are experiencing the love of Jesus in a tangible way and many are responding to the gospel. As a result of the tragedy in Beirut recently, we have been engaged and are partnering with a number of churches in Beirut to identify 750 families that are in desperate need of food, shelter and supplies as a result of the ongoing crisis. God is already using this effort to bring hope to those that are experiencing much despair. And then here he underlines it. Kingsgate's gift will allow us to seize this opportunity to share the compassion of Jesus Christ through aid, restoration and reconciliation. Simply said, we could not do what we do without your generous and faithful partnership. I, I want to say again on behalf of the Kingsgate leadership team, a huge thank you to every single one of you who continues to give faithfully and generously into this house, so we, this ministry, this church, so we can continue to do these sorts of things. We really could not do this without you. So what about you, well, wherever you are? What, what can you do? What's your, let's tip the balance. Yes, let's reflect. Let's take time to think, keep reading, keep thinking, keep praying, but let's act. What could you do? Let me suggest very briefly three words that begin with in. Intercede, invest and involve. You know, we can all intercede, we can all pray. Why not ask God to lay on your heart maybe a people group or a country that's, that's in need and then go and research about them and consistently pray with them, either by yourself or with others. Let's intercede. Second, let's invest. Maybe you could use some of your finances to invest in the lives of others. Maybe you could sponsor a child somewhere in another country or be involved in, in something local or giving to a church. And then third, be involved. And the word involved, it implies don't do this on your own. You know, it's when we do things together that we make a difference. So, you know, wherever you are, I'd be, I would imagine that there is a food bank or a charity need you that's near you. Maybe you could give some of your time to that place and just say, I want to come and I want to help and do whatever can be done. Because, you know, when every single one of us, when we play our part, we really can make a difference. And I really believe that in the future we're going to hear more great stories of how people have been fed and homes have been restored and people have been set free and how poverty is being attacked and injustice is being attacked. So as I bring this message to a close, I want to finish by leading us in a prayer. And I'd invite all of you to take part in this prayer. In this prayer, we're inviting God to come into our hearts to set us free from anything that's, that's blocking his working and to, to fill us with his love. You know, Nehemiah literally set slaves free. Jesus is the great liberator. And he's the one who wants to come into our hearts and free us from everything that would stop him from moving in our lives and us living up the life he wants us to live. He wants to come and set us free. So as I pray this prayer, why don't you, you join with me? It will be on your screen. Let's pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that I can be free. Today, I open my heart to you. Please forgive me for every place where I've been hard-hearted towards you and other people. Come into my heart. Fill me with your love and move me to action that together we might make a difference in your name. Amen. You know, if you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time 
or for the first time in a long time, I'm thrilled for you. And we want, we want to help you take some next steps on the, the journey that you've begun. Uh, a, a link will come on the screen. Please follow that and we'll be able to just help you and get some resources to you. Well, we're now going to the next part of our service. We're going to sing a great song called Waymaker, which many of you will know. I want to encourage you, as you sing this song, let's make it a declaration of faith that as we step out in action, Jesus himself is going to be moving in our cities and beyond.